46 almonds a day could keep the doctor away, according to a new study in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, which found that eating 56 grams of almonds daily, or the equivalent of approximately 46 almonds, can improve gut health by promoting levels of butyrate. This is Pulse Check. I'm Grace Scullion. Here's what I'm following this week. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services released new policies on Tuesday aiming to connect patients to therapists, counselors, and substance use treatment via telehealth and mobile units. The new rules also aim to integrate mental health practitioners into primary care settings. The new policies are important because behavioral services are often hard to find and unaffordable. Doctors were not so excited about CMS's new policies. Cuts to the physician fee schedule mean physician reimbursements will decrease from last year. Grappling with labor shortages and inflation, groups like the American Medical Association worry about the effects of the policies. Congress will have a chance to pass legislation to stop the cuts in the lame duck session. The FDA met Tuesday to discuss new clinical evidence suggesting that pulse oximeters, which read blood oxygen levels, are often inaccurate for patients with darker skin tones. The oximeters showed people with darker skin tones as having higher blood oxygen rates than they actually did. This matters because these tools are key to emergency department triaging. Patients who appear to have higher blood oxygen levels may be discharged or treated with less urgency. And on Wednesday, there was big opioid news. In a deal not yet finalized, CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart agreed to pay a total of $13.8 billion to settle thousands of lawsuits for their roles in the opioid crisis. Chris Damar has covered the opioid crisis and is here to tell us what this means. These are the nation's three biggest pharmacy retailers. And the fact that these three massive retailers have agreed to this settlement is a big deal. Um, They have faced lawsuits over several years now from state and local governments that accuse them of ignoring red flags that they had been filling prescriptions that were then being diverted illegally into communities across the country. The problem really started in the 90s. And today, the problem with opioid use and overdose deaths looks really different. Most of what doctors are seeing in terms of abuse and overdoses are not the results of prescription opioids. They are actually from fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid and which is produced illegally. So they're not things that are coming from Walmart or Walgreens or CVS, they are being made by cartels. I know that you were at a conference in Baltimore earlier this week. What were some of the big conversations that they were having? Yeah, so I was at this super interesting meeting of the American Association for the Treatment of Opioid Dependence, or it's called ATOD. Um, It's a conference that brings together people who treat opioid dependence, as you said, and, you know, had about 1500 people there. It was a total array of people from doctors to nurses to social workers to people in law enforcement and corrections and policymakers and lawyers, you know, everybody 
who is trying to help people who have been caught up in this like huge years long crisis. And definitely the thing that people were concerned about most and have seen the biggest shift in is fentanyl. What did people at the conference treating people with opioid use disorder have to say about fentanyl? Is this a new era of the opioid use pandemic? The spike in fentanyl isn't brand new. You know, um, I don't know exactly what year it started. A couple of years ago that doctors were starting to really see a spike in fentanyl use in their patients. But what they're saying is that it's sort of getting worse and worse, right? The actual drug that they are seeing is getting more and more powerful. Like it's taking more and more Narcan, which is the drug that is used to re- reverse overdoses, to reverse an overdose. Oh, wow. That it takes more and more methadone to actually, you know, help people withdraw and get off, you know, of the drug. And that they're just seeing way more of it. And it, it you know, it's being um, cut into other drugs that their clients are using. So it's not just people coming in with fentanyl abuse that they're treating. They're also treating people who use cocaine or meth or even marijuana, and they are getting fentanyl in those drugs. So, I mean, it's this become this absolutely massive problem in the space of trying to p- treat people with addiction. And does the Biden administration have a plan to tackle any of this? Yeah, earlier this year, the Biden administration released a new drug control strategy. And actually, um, the head of that effort, Rahul Gupta, who is the head of the ONDCP in the White House, he spoke at the conference on Tuesday when I was there. And he said that there are kind of like two planks of the administration's approach to tackling this crisis, right? One is trying to increase the number of treatment centers across the country because treatment is still incredibly hard for people to access in different parts of the country. I think that the number he gave was one in 10 people can actually get treatment for opioid use disorder in the country, which obviously is only, you know, is like just a fraction of the help that's needed. The other plank is going after the drug traffickers who are flooding Mm. the U.S. market with this drug. And so those are sort of the two. One's a kind of law enforcement issue, and one is, you know, building up our own drug treatment infrastructure. Got it. So we're seeing these lawsuits today against these big pharmaceutical companies. Do you think we'll see future similar payouts? Or is that going to be impossible when it's from these criminal cartels? Yeah, I mean, I think that we probably haven't seen the end of the legal ramifications of this sort of early phase of the opioid crisis. I think in some way that litigation will continue. In terms of this second phase, I don't know whether it's something that really can be adjudicated in the courts. I think that certainly the the Biden administration sees it more as a law enforcement issue um, and something that they will have to 
tackle in terms of figuring out where the ingredients from these drugs called precursors are coming from, you know, how they're getting to the place where they're being manufactured. Some of that's happening in Mexico, somebody that some of that's happening in the US, how it's getting across the borders, how then once it gets across the border, it's moving across the United States. So I think that that in law enforcement piece is where a lot more of the action is going to be. So we know that connecting people with treatment for opioid use disorder can be really difficult. I heard on Tuesday that CMS is trying to use more mobile clinics. Was anyone talking about these at the conference? Yeah, those definitely came up as a way to increase access in areas where there are not a lot of opioid treatment providers for various reasons. Those providers are not available in a lot of parts of the country. And mobile vans are seen both by existing providers and also by the federal government as a way to kind of get treatment to people where they are. And also another big barrier in terms of accessing treatment for opioid use disorder is that there's still a really big stigma involved in this and people will report going into pharmacies, you know, to fulfill their prescriptions for their medication for the, you know, OUD Um, opioid use disorder and having, you know, the pharmacist be rude to them or say rude things to them. So, you know, the idea of having a mobile van come to an area that you can then approach and go into it is probably a pretty attractive idea to people who aren't comfortable walking into their local CVS and, and doing something. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that you know, Krista. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Rees is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Felton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Grace Scullion. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.